0: Hello and welcome to Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. This episode was originally aired on the fantastic Two Tongues podcast. Please check out Two Tongues for other great podcasts. Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues
1: podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds minds. where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark, Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence.
2: Ready or not,
1: here we go. Here we go indeed. Here we go. Well, welcome back to the Two Tongues Podcast. We have... um, we have a special guest today, Mr. Daniel Tordin of the Onion Unlimited podcast. Uh, kind enough to join us again for another interview. Uh, he's, by the way, Daniel. You're the. Uh, is he the first two time interview? At least the first person we've interviewed in both seasons because we are officially in season two of the Two Tongues podcast.
0: Awesome! Nice to nice to be back, guys. Good to have you.
1: So, um, so Daniel, th- again, th- thank you so much for coming back. Um, you know, I've been I've, I've been following you on Twitter, obviously, and uh, we haven't we haven't spoken since the last um, the last podcast, but a little bit of back and forth on Twitter and through direct messages. And I did listen to your um, uh, I don't know if it was your last I think it was your last uh, your last Onion Unlimited episode, um, and I told you a little bit about it. But it, I thought it was really really well done. And you were talking about um, and just just to kind of refresh the audience uh, when we had Daniel on the last time, we talked a little bit about him coming from the Jehovah's Witness Church. And then going on this uh, spiritual journey when he was shunned or excommunicated or whatever the proper term might be, so just an interesting uh, spiritual journey. And we talked about um, we talked about panpsychism a little bit, and that was one thing I wanted to ask you about if you if you were able to look into that a little bit more, and uh, if there was anything there that you that you've liked or disliked or anything that maybe brought you a little bit further along in your journey. So
0: panpsychism, as I understand it is the the idea that all things are mind or all things come from mind that fits very much with my pandeistic outlook Uh, i think the idea basically is that mind is fundamental and it's found everywhere in the in the natural world Throughout the, throughout the whole of the, the universe. It also fits with some of my ideas that I, I feel we're not the only things that have consciousness. Obviously, um, animals have some level of coverlessness, but I think that possibly extends to things that we would consider inanimate as mm-hmm. well. Quite a few of the famous philosophers over the years have had panpsychic views, from what I can tell. So ones like Plato, uh, Spinoza, Russell. Mm. Yes. Again, it's one of those things. I suppose a bit like pandeism. You can't. You can't prove panpsychism. I don't think it's something you can prove to other people. But it's something that you kind of know within yourself. The one thing I do know is that I'm conscious.
1: Absolutely. So. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been reading. Um, David Chalmers, the, who wrote the Conscious mm-hmm. Mind, and I also been reading this guy. Do you remember? Um, I sent you that thing on Twitter because uh, we have to talk about this at some point. Because Kyle and I, um, I guess I'll just say the average American's understanding of uh, geography in Europe is pretty uh, is pretty abysmal. Very limited. And we were talking <laughs> about that today. So I, you remember when I sent you that uh, that that uh, thing on Twitter? It was uh, a gentleman who was given a who was given a, a lecture. Um, I couldn't quite tell. It sounded like it might have been at a bar. Uh, but, but I said I said it to you because the guy the guy focuses on psychedelics and consciousness, and I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah. if this place is close to Daniel, he might want to go check it out. Um, I, I don't remember where it was or um, whether that's whether that's close to you or not. But uh, Kyle and I were just having that conversation the other day, and it, it seems like our uh, uh, our knowledge of um, UK geography is basically limited to um, what we what we remember from. Uh, from watching Viking shows, so it's like uh-huh. we have Essex and Wessex, and we, we know we do, we know some very very <laughs> basic medieval geography, but that's you know that's about it. Yeah,
0: I'd nothing like beyond London. <laughs> yeah, London.
2: Yeah, that's a good yeah. main point. Uh, I would like to say yeah, that my good. knowledge of the geography of Europe, I would say, is exceptional uh, as oh, far really? as countries and stuff go. But when it comes to like counties in countries, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I I, I don't know.
0: I'm really at bad at geography. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. Don't, don't ask me about, don't ask me about geography.
2: <laughs> oh
1: boy. Well now, I re, now I really want to. So, so, um, so
0: yeah,
1: I, I know we're, I know we're, uh, we took a, we took a tangent here, but this is fun anyway. So, Kyle, so Kyle and I were talking about that, uh, from watching various Viking shows, uh, Mercia, yeah. Mercia and Wessex and Essex and from other pop culture, we know about Liverpool and Leeds and, and, and
2: London, of course. Um, and, and, uh, I know the names of those places. I couldn't point to them. Could, well,
0: where they are geographically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to live. I used to live in London, um, just just across the river from Essex. How metropolitan. Um, yeah. yeah, and now I live. I live up north, so I'm actually quite close to Leeds now.
2: Okay, okay. Leeds is north. Leeds good is north. Okay. okay, good to know.
0: <laughs> good yeah, to know. Leeds is way, way north. Yeah.
2: Well, I figured because London's pretty down south. That's pretty close to. Uh, yeah, that's right yeah. there. Right. So let me ask you this
1: question, Daniel. And, uh, I'm not. I don't want to put you on the spot, but this is this is funny to me. So I, I was opening up about my ignorance on uh, the UK geography, and mm-hmm. you know, the United States is a larger country, obviously. But uh, what would you say the the, the, the your typical European knows geography wise in terms of the U.S. Is it just is it just California on one side, New York on the other, and a bunch of farms in the middle? Is that is that how you guys look at it?
0: I. Do you know what? To be honest, I haven't got a clue. Um, I I know New York is somewhere near the edge. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, that's about it, I think. Okay. I've been to New York. Oh, you have? Okay. Um, I've been to New York, but beyond that, I don't know. Just a really big place. When did you come to New York? Lots of uh, boundaries. Uh, I went to New York in 2015.
2: Oh, okay, oh, not nice. too long ago. Yeah. So I drove
1: through New York. Yeah, I, not a lot. I, I, I when you went to New York uh, Daniel were you in the city, New York City?
0: Yeah, I stayed in uh, Queens.
1: No, oh, in Queens. Okay. See, mm. I have never been. It's actually very intimidating to me if I'm being honest. Um you know this uh giant giant city grid grid street system. Um you don't know right. you don't know what's dangerous, where's dangerous. You don't you don't in there's so much about the culture even in New York that you have to know um and you don't know unless you live there, so it's just intimi- yeah, it's intimidating I, think
0: I i felt i actually felt quite comfortable i think because um i was from uh, i spent most of my time down in london uh growing up sure. and that that i mean it's not as big as New York, but I found it a very similar similar kind of atmosphere uh,
2: interesting. I have no desire yeah. to go to New York, like big city. Although I would like to go to London, but mm. just in general, big city type of stuff is not for me. Mm-hmm. Not my bag no. Of- yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh boy, I
0: tend to like I tend to like extremes. I either like uh, a really big city or I like being in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite places are right up uh, in the uh, the Highlands of Scotland. No. Love it up there. Nice. Um, li- literally nothing. Nothing there. You know, it's really barren.
1: So, Daniel, did you ever do any hunting? No. Okay. So, uh, I know guns. Gu- guns aren't as obviously, obviously, it's available there. But no. uh Here, here, it's obviously. Not, you know, it's not uncommon. I grew up hunting a little with my dad growing up, and uh, one of these, mm. one of these leftovers, one of these sort of hangovers from um, from the having those experiences growing up. Is that the the woods? And you know what? I say that like it has something to do with my my hunting experience growing up. Maybe that's just where I encountered it, and I have fond memories of it. But I think maybe all human beings have this. Um, but there's this feeling that I get sometimes, especially if I'm driving on the on the freeway and there's um, deep woods on both sides. Is that I, I'll feel like the forest is beckoning to me. It feels welcoming. Mm, it, yeah. On a, yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: It wants it wants me to come in, and it feels like that's where I belong. Yep. And there's so many subtle, beautiful things about the way the the light shines through the trees, and it's the it's the type of forest that I grew up with and I'm used to, and it's probably very similar to you know uh, what you're what you've got there in, in the UK, uh, maybe not the Highlands of Scotland. Yeah, that that seems that seems a little different. But anyway, I, the reason I bring it up is because I I went to Florida just the other the other week. I took my girls to Disney World, and uh, there were places where we were driving by and seeing the forest in Florida, and I, it did not feel welcoming to me i'll tell you why because the forest, because the trees are different mm. right so and down down oh. south down south in florida they've got these trees that have i don't know what kind of trees they are but they have this stuff that hangs off of the branches it looks like cotton or something that it, it hangs off the trees oh yes yeah. yeah. and I, we don't have those trees here yeah. So I'm looking out at like some palm trees and some of these trees with cotton hanging off of them, and it just it's it's like an alien forest. It, it was not inviting. It it it, it was frightening actually. The, the the idea that I might walk out in into the uh, did, you know
2: did it look like it would be hard to walk through because there's a lot of stuff obstructing you, like this stuff that's hanging. Uh, is there like a lot of undergrowth and stuff too? Yeah, it seemed marshy, mushy, yeah. muddy. I asked because I know you know. Uh, throughout a lot of those old to to get us kind of back into the alley that we uh, I know we're gonna go in um, I know the significance of like, sacred groves and stuff is you know all throughout those old religions mm-hmm. and uh, I I guess that some of the significance of that is uh, I'm sure that they felt that same thing that you feel that like beckoning you in mm-hmm. uh, but also that uh it, you know. It, if you look at what a sacred grove is, it's a forest with like loosely spaced trees with not much undergrowth. So it's like easy to walk through. Mm. And they, uh, like, I guess the idea is that that's where the gods would want to be, you know, because it's, it's um, inviting. So.
1: Sure. So do do you, I, uh, this Mm. is, this, this may be a foregone conclusion, Daniel, but do you feel that, that being in nature, especially alone, that that's a spiritual type of a, of a place that, that, that it, it, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do. There's um there's a particular place um that I love. It's uh it is in Scotland. Uh it's it's called Gearlock. And uh, it's a beach. Uh it's a, a really sandy beach. Yeah. But it's got forests when you look to the right you can see forests. To the left there's mountains which mm. are snow-capped at certain times of the year and it's not like a it's not like a kind of sunny beach you know where you'd go sunbathing it's really it's really um windy and and raining most of the time Mm. but it's just when when you're stood on that beach it feels like you're i always feel like i'm kind of on the edge of the earth Mm. i don't know if that makes sense as if i could kind of you know literally just step off the edge of the earth you can see as you know for miles across the sea and um that feels really spiritual i think some of the most spiritual thoughts i've had have been when i've been in that environment i think sometimes when you come back to you know kind of the humdrum of of life um in suburbia or in a city or something like that there's a lot of distractions aren't there Absolutely. Whereas when you're in nature, it's uh, everything is very clear and focused. Mm. Um, so there's some, yeah, I love it. I something love it up there.
1: There's something that comes to mind when you said when you're describing this wind swept beach and uh, you know, <clears throat> I, 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 there's just something that comes through that makes that makes it sound like it's beautiful but also punishing. You know, and yes, uh, yeah, and, it's
0: very raw, raw. very Raw. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, so that that reminds me again of uh, these hunting experiences growing up, and here in you know uh, deer hunting season, it's cold. You know, it was very cold, mm. and, and if you get up into a tree, um, you cl- you know you're climbing up onto a tree stand. In the modern day, it's made of steel and it's it zaps the heat out of you even though you're bundled up you know you're sitting up in this yeah. tree you're you're above where the animals can smell you right you're that's why you're up there they can't see you they can't smell you and you and you have to be very quiet and very still for ex- extremely long durations until you become quiet like the forest is quiet and you hear everything all the smallest little noises, the like the chipmunk running through the through the, the leaves, sounds mm-hmm. sounds like you know the loudest noise. You you know it's startling it's almost like an elephant. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's it's torturous. There's something about it that's beautiful and worth it. It's worth every every bit of the pain. But while you're up there, absolutely, you're, yeah. you know your nose and your ears are freezing off. You're you're you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're forcing yourself to stay still, even though you just want to. You just want to. stretch It's it's. But there's something
2: about it being harsh. That's part of its. Yeah, beauty. it's beautiful, cool. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It makes me think of like priests whipping themselves, you know, the, those sects of Catholicism yeah, where they, like, yeah. lash themselves. Yeah, self-flagellation. Yeah, there
0: you go. That's the word I was looking for. I, um, I, wrote, a, uh, I wrote a song some years back, actually, um, about disappearing up to uh, the Scottish Highlands. Uh, it was called The Hermit. Okay. And that, that idea of just kind of disappearing and not telling anyone where I've gone, and uh, finding finding a, a, a built, maybe building a little log cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere. Yes. And grow, growing a massive beard.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I absolutely.
1: So I, I, want you to, beard. I, I want you to know, Daniel, that Kyle's been nodding in agreement with you the whole oh, time.
2: Yeah. That's, that's
0: my <laughs> yeah. stuff right
2: there. That's what I
0: want. That's what I want to do.
2: <laughs> hey, I've, I've already got the beard, so
0: we're good to go on that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I <laughs> so hey, live in the mountains, away from everything.
1: So, hey, Daniel, before I forget, there was one thing you said about that beautiful place in Scotland where you said you felt like you were sta- standing at the edge of the world. And yeah. one of the things that popped in my head when you said that, and this is something I was hoping to get into on the podcast at some point today, so we'll, we'll revisit this. You know how last time we talked, uh, we brought up this psychedelic mystic experience? Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's what came to mind. So when you when you said that you feel you felt like sometimes you were, you were standing on the edge of the world, it makes me think yeah. of it makes me think of there being two realms: one in which you're firmly on your feet, stand, oh. standing on the beach, hmm. and one that's one step over where you have no foundations and you're in some new place. And that is an analogy. It, Go ahead.
0: It, yes, no. Uh, uh, it fe- feels like um, when you're there it's really hard to put into words, but it almost feels like you're standing before some kind of portal. Yes. Where if, if you were to be able to kind of walk through it, you'd, you'd kind of end up in, in some kind of spiritual dimension mm. somewhere. It's almost, it's almost like it's, it's, it feels like um, a spirit, spirit dimension is, is kind of butting up to mm. the, the, the physical world.
1: So, do you see why I related that to a psychedelic mystic experience? Because that's mm, that's what you just, that's what you just described. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you you butt right up to that spirit realm, and if you take that leap over, if you ingest that chemical, yeah. if you take sufficient quantities, you do find yourself in another another place. And and I think that there's a connection there that I don't I don't think you need to have psychedelic experience to have that experience, but it's a quick gateway to having it. There are other ways to have it. And, and you you know, it sounds like you were sort of tasting it. You know, you you had a you had an an inclination of it while you were standing there.
0: I think there are. I think there's um, obviously there's the psychedelic way, uh, but I think there's. There's nature, I think, is a good way. I think creativity is another way. Um, when I'm creating things, music, poetry, that kind of thing, I get into a, it's almost like a mystical kind of flow that I get into, as if I'm connecting to something beyond that, you know, the ideas are not coming from me, or maybe they are coming from me, but they're coming from a, from another Dimension, the music, uh, and also dreams. I think dreams is is uh, dreams is another another world. Um,
1: oh, we, I want to talk to about dreams. <laughs> I
0: want to talk mm, about yeah. dreams.
1: Um, sorry, I, Daniel. I really feel like I, I interrupted your flow there. What were you saying?
0: No, no, that was it. That, okay. that was it. I think those those sort of three areas. You know, the um, nature, creativity, and uh, the dream world. I think they are alternatives to touching on another dimension the same as you would get maybe through uh, psychedelics or meditation so there's various different routes
2: another one that i am curious about um and once you know what it is you'll understand why um it's uh something that i I know alistair crowley was big on this it's sex like orgasm Mm. that climax uh the uh, can you see how there would be some kind of um
1: well, well, Tantra comes to mind, and that's yeah. that's deeply part of Hinduism. So, but you know, being coming from a conservative Christian background, it's not the first thing that comes to my mind.
2: <laughs> uh, no, not not me either. But um, having been exposed to, like I said, I, you know, I was looking into Aleister Crowley, and I know that. I mean, don't get me wrong; I think that Crowley was kind of crazy, to be honest <laughs> with you. But um, I do think that's interesting because there is some kind of like euphoria. I mean, obviously, there's like a euphoria that comes with that. Um I just think that's uh uh interesting a, a little explored option. Mm. Has your Daniel
0: had I was what, uh, I was um I was listening to a or watching a YouTube video the other day. I can't remember the name of the girl it'll come to me in a moment, but it was it was talking about um what she was referring to as divine sex. Mm. Um which uh, the, the way she was describing it was different than any kind of physical sexual experience that a person might have. Hmm. Um, a kind of, I think you just mentioned about tantric, yes. didn't you? Mm-hmm. It was similar to that. It was that uh, two people through, um, through sex, through love, could um, have a connection that was not, Definitely not just physical. It it actually attains a spiritual level. Yeah, Um,
2: that reminds me of the poems of Rumi. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he he wrote a lot. of That the mystic uh, Muslim poet he he wrote a lot about that kind of stuff. That kind of uh, ascension through love. Yeah. Well, if you,
0: I think there's, I think there's something, there's something with all of those things that have. I, I think it would be interesting to rig your. Rig your brain up to a uh, up to a machine and see what affects uh you know nature creativity um, sexual experience uh psychedelics um, whatever the other ones was i mentioned yeah. if you were to uh, I wonder whether there's any kind of um similar brain patterns with it.
1: That's a that's a good question. Yeah, it is well, you know what comes hmm. what comes to my mind is Kyle and I have talked about this before, but with with the uh, mystic experience, one of the most common themes that goes along with it is that oneness, and that's something that that's yes. that's something, yeah. that's something hmm. we talk about with sex all the time. We, we you know we refer to it as the, the beast with two backs or be, becoming one. You know, like in the marriage ceremony, um, with you know, in the right type of sexual experience, you would absolutely lose yourself in. In that experience, to become one in, in a in a in a very real way, and there's something about that is connected to the experience, the similar experience that you might have in like a, a mm. like a concert. You know, you're at a concert and you kind of become one with the crowd and with the music. It has the ability to diminish your sense of self, it, to, to diminish your ego to, to a certain degree. I think that, that that's a similar experience mm. to what's possible yeah. through sex. But I also think that that oneness, that experience of oneness, is central to the spiritual experience in general. So it, it, it's like a fractal way of experiencing the oneness of God. You experience it through different avenues. And the flow state, Daniel, that you brought up, I think is related. I, I think there's something about feeling like you become one with with your lover, or feeling like you become one with a crowd, like at a, like at a football game. One with say. nature. One with nature. Yes, yes. But, mm. but but also, there's something connected to that. I think that I explain a little differently. Like in the mystic experience, it's it's oh boy, I I'm, it's difficult to put into words. It's like there's there's one experience that's be, that's an experience of merging yourself with somebody else. And there's another experience that's getting rid of yourself. It's becoming nothing. It's not becoming one with someone else. Yeah. It's becoming nothing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm starting to get hippy-dippy, and it's, okay. it's very hard to describe, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to ramble on. But, but I think that that flow state is one of those. You know, it's like if you're, if you're being artistic and you're writing poetry, and then you snap back back into reality. You didn't realize where exactly along the way you disappeared, but at some point you were you were a flow of words from your psyche onto this. Oh page. yeah,
0: when, when you're writing music or poetry, um, it, it's, it's a funny thing. I, I find um, well, I wrote I wrote, a, I wrote an, a, a poem about it actually called Discoveries. Mm. Um, and it it went along the lines of um the purest songs are not composed but are discovered mm. uh, lying dormant in the sands of time they wait patiently for us to unearth them i think it was was it michelangelo yes that yes said something about um statues didn't he the mar- yes. the statue is already in the marble
1: yes he said that about david You've I, just I got it I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up. Yes, yes, he did.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that idea that um, when, when you're in that creative state of flow, it, it goes beyond you as a person. It, it is literally like the the poetry or the music or the you know the statue, the sculpture, whatever already exists, mm-hmm. and you're you're just discovering it.
1: Let me ask you a question about this. Do you think it's fair to say that when you get into that inspired state of mind and you're mm-hmm. you're you're creating this art and you kind of lose track of the fact that you're doing it, do you think it would be fair to say that you become the experience of, of doing the art? So it's like you stop becoming Daniel doing the art, and it, for a moment you become the experience. You're one with the yeah. experience. Does that ring true to you? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah. It it almost feels like um, to me. It feels like you're channeling something, mm. so that you. Um, it's quite a. Hu- I think it's quite a humbling experience, actually. In at the end of it, you don't, or I don't. I don't tend to think, "Oh wow, I've just written a a, a great song or a po- poem or something like that." It's more of a humbling experience where I kind of feel. Uh, privileged to have been shown it from from somewhere mm. I, I don't know where it comes from I think you'll, you'll hear a lot of artists say that they don't know where it comes from it just kind of comes to them I mean you've got um, Paul McCartney um, yesterday came to him in a dream mm. he wrote it when he woke up next morning wow. yesterday it was it was already written um, so much so that he actually thought it was uh an existing song.
1: Whoa. I didn't <laughs> he know. He spent
0: several days saying to people, Have you ever heard this song? And they <laughs> said, No <"Nope." laughs> And then he realised it was it was something that had had come to him. It's, uh, it's a humbling experience, I think. Yeah, it's an
1: interesting- And it's
0: one that it's one that when, when you're in a state of flow and it's coming from wherever these artistic things come from, some other dimension um it's um, it doesn't actually take much effort mm. I think that I think that's notable. The times where I've sat down and thought I'm going to write a song, and I've really thought hard about it and tried to piece it together. It's been a painful <laughs> process yes t- it's been forcing it whereas other times I've just kind of sat down and within 10 minutes it's happened. So can, and it's like wow can, can where I, did where did that come from?
1: Can I ask you just to, along those same lines have you ever been in a position where you were where it was easy and then you started to o- overthink it and then it became hard? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So the,
0: the, the, I've done that a few times. The, 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 I think with I think with art in general there there comes a point with the with the artistic work where you just need to stop if you keep if you keep working on it, you ruin it. Yes. Um, just just allow it to happen and then stop.
1: So I, I have to say that what the things that you're saying mirror the advice that I would give somebody taking a psychedelic for a, a mystic experience. That if, mm-hmm. if if you first of all you do feel like you become one with your experience when you're when you're having a mystic experience. Um, but also if you if you resist it it becomes difficult so it, yep. it there's a there's a, a parallel there where when you're having a mystic experience like that it does feel like something flowing through you and as if you go with it mm. if, you, if you don't resist it it's a beautiful thing but as a human being, you inevitably will try to to resist it you'll try to put some Uh, harness on it you'll try to you'll try to keep it in a little box and it it can't be contained so when you were saying that you know you you get into a Hmm. flow state and then you try to take control and then it becomes difficult i've experienced that before but it it just sounded like somebody describing a mystic psychedelic experience so you need
0: to you would say you need to be uh, think of yourself more as a conduit Rather than the creator of the experience, mm. just allow it to happen through you.
1: I would say this. I agree with the latter part, the former part. I don't know about, mm. but the latter part, for sure, if, if you you, you want to let it work through you, you want to experience what what it is showing you. You want to experience that experience because that's the point. Any resistance, any effort to control it, any effort to guide it, any effort to hold it back because you feel like it's too much. That's that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, in a mystic experience. I don't know how that parallels to that creative, uh, you know, analogy, but um, I think there's, I think there's a connection there.
0: Is that not the case with life in general though? I've I've often found when I've tried to control things in my life or force things in my life, um, sometimes it's worked, but it hasn't been very remarkable. Mm. Whereas when you kind of just kind of go with the flow and just just let life happen um i mean my girlfriend is always saying uh, it's like the universe what knows what's best for you yeah um and just be open to that don't worry too much don't panic too much you know things things do tend to work out okay in the end um if you just kind of trust the process
1: I couldn't agree more. Hmm. I couldn't agree more. I I think that's also one of those f- fractal examples. Like you see a pattern uh, appearing in different in different ways. Uh, whether we're talking to, describing a creative resistance, a psychedelic experience, or like you just yeah. painted life in general, you see the same pattern overlaid on those experiences. I just think that's beautiful. I think it's significant. Actually,
0: I mean that's that's taken me a lifetime to learn that. I think when I was younger, when I was a younger man, i I was always trying to control things in my life. You know, I kind of had ideas of how my life should be. Mm. Um, I was saying that goals goals are necessarily a bad thing. You know, they can be good, can't they? Set a goal and so on, but be prepared uh, be prepared to be flexible. I think that's that's what I've learned. Don't don't kind of expect everything to fit in a box and be a certain way um sometimes the best things that happen in life are surprises or accidents mm. apparently accidents you know yeah
1: you know what comes to my mind there is um uh, is buddhism actually comes comes to my mind mm-hmm. yeah um so i i wonder what you think about this if you Have like you say goals. You have a vision of the of the way of what you want to happen. What you want to happen with yourself, your life, whatever. Um, There's there's something arrogant about the idea that what what I want. I don't know how to put this. What I want, I'm going to get, and I'm going to I'm going to bend the world to my will. There's something beautiful about that because I think it's probably possible to some degree to bend the world to your will. I think that has something to do with consciousness and existence and reality. But it seems arrogant, though. It's like with great power comes great responsibility, something like that. Yeah.
0: I I think it's possible, but I don't think you necessarily get the best results that way. Um you know, when we're talking, if, if we're talking about manifesting and, you know, the law of attraction, that kind of thing, the principle behind it is that you, you kind of visualize what you want, not necessarily in too much detail, but then you kind of let it go. You don't, if, if you sit there kind of um, focused on what you want, this is what I want um that's not kind of how it tends to happen you need to be a lot more relaxed with it you know um yeah I, I, I can give you a good i can give you a good example of that that's quite funny <laughs> all
1: right, <let's> hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah let's hear it <laughs> um okay so um if, if you've been um you guys know if you've been listening to any of my podcast might have you in the past i uh, i found myself divorced um living on my own um a sad lonely old man <laughs> um thinking I, I don't want to be on my own for the rest of my life right. and um one of my one of my friends suggested that i should join a dating site
1: <laughs> okay
0: uh, so, yeah, so I did. I paid 50 quid to join this dating site. Uh, signed myself up, took a photo, tried to advertise myself as be- best as I could. <laughs> um, and it was, it was really crap. Uh, it was rubbish. It was, um, uh, the, uh, for me, it was rubbish. I, I was kind of looking at the people on there. And it just felt so shallow, mm. you know. Um, most 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 of them were sort of more interested in the kind of physical appearance of a person, or yep. they didn't. You know, didn't seem to be much in the way of uh, spiritual intellect or um, you know emotional connection. It was just you know looking for the person that looked right. right. I lasted about, I think. And I know I was I was probably on it for about a week, and I just thought this is rubbish. Mm. Yeah, um, and I unsubscribed, and I still remember it. This was back in October. I was stood in my room, and I thought to myself, "Do you know what what I want in a relationship is a kind, gentle woman who has got." Some kind of background similar to me. So she's been in a, uh, a cult background, um, maybe an ex-Jehovah's Witness like mm-hmm. myself. So mm-hmm. someone that understands where I'm coming from. Someone who's creative, that enjoys photography, um, music. And I even thought to myself, some, uh, some, definitely someone who's very spiritually minded um, into the mystical and that kind of thing. And somebody that has a lovely singing voice. <laughs> okay. I was, I was that specific. <laughs> and I thought that, and then I just kind of let the thought go. It was literally just, I thought what I wanted and I just let it go. And I kid you not guys, within 15 minutes, my Twitter uh, direct message lit up mm. And there was uh, a lady called Mariella um, from Australia who'd just come on to Twitter and she'd just stumbled across my Twitter feed and uh, she'd read... um, I I had kind of a profile that I was creative and spiritual and, um, you know, was a pandeist and... uh, Ex Jehovah's Witness, and she was exactly the same as me from oh, those perspectives. Yeah, and really? she dropped she dropped a DM into my box that said, "It's almost like you're in my mind." <laughs> That's really and crazy. it ping it pinged up. This was literally within about fifteen minutes, October the sixteenth last year, and I got the message, and I. It was weird. It was like I instantly knew and I replied, uh, yep. Yes. And we got chatting and I were literally sat, I was stood there in my room thinking what the hell has just happened? <laughs> um, and we're now in month, November, December, January. We're now in month five of our relationship.
2: How long did it take you to figure out that she had a beautiful singing voice? a couple of days a couple of days
0: days. yeah but it's it's I um, I've never met somebody who is so in tune with me on a spiritual um, particularly spiritual and mental and emotional level we've not met yet she lives in uh, Australia Mm -hmm um at some point this year i'm going to go over and meet her but um just from us uh even though we're nine and a half thousand miles apart from each other there is a very very um real connection um that's beautiful it's like it's like she's in the room with me <laughs> how, how do you explain that I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, that's it's funny you ask that because that when you were ta- telling that story, that story seems like magic to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems like um, it, it is like you, yeah, like you summoned her. You know what I mean? Uh, almost like you rubbed a link. That lamp is, is exactly
0: exactly how it felt. Yeah. Exactly how it felt, Kyle. Yep.
1: Yep. So, Daniel, I um. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll get a, I'll just a, another level down in the uh, kind of personal stories. It's it's stuff that's been talked about on the podcast already. But uh, um, when I met my wife, um, I had a simi- yeah. similar situation where I had one, once I stopped trying. Uh, that's when all of that sort of happened. It was when I, I when I was no longer so invested in any outcome that. Whatever was necessary to, to change, to be successful, that was it. And I and I can't exactly explain it. But <coughs> it, that rings very true to what happened with me. But I also want to bring this up for another reason. Well, two other reasons. My mind's going lots of places. Um, so I, I was married once before, Daniel. I don't remember if we touched on that at all, but I was married once before. Uh, my, my former wife had a child, um, not biologically my child, but she had a child that I raised, and uh, when we split, um, well, we don't have to get into the specifics of the circumstances, but when we split, she basically pulled her out of my life. She's, she, she was like, you know, you're never going to see her again. Even though I raised her for, mm-hmm. for, a year, for, for many years, um, you know, I, I felt very much like she was mine. Um, so that's something that uh, you and I have in common, and I I, I realize your children are older, and I don't want to I don't want yeah. to compare. And these, again, she wasn't my biological child, so I don't want to compare apples and oranges. But I did want to mention that because that's something that um, I know is part of uh, you know your recovery and this whole thing, and that that's part of. I think part of what we are going to talk about when we talk about ascension, which I want to ask you about too, uh, but I just thought I'd share mm-hmm. that with you so you know I do I do kind of see where you're coming from at least to some degree. Yeah. Um, the, one story I'll share with you um, while while I'm while I'm spewing here is that when mm-hmm. for, for oh I don't know years after uh, we split and I hadn't seen my uh, you know, I hadn't seen her, her child uh, in, in, a, in a while. Um, I would have nightmares. And I know we were talking about dreams, so we should probably get back to that at some point. But I would have these nightmares of all different kinds, uh, but they were these separation nightmares. And uh, I, I would wake myself up because I was sobbing in my sleep. And it felt like what, what a parent must go through when, the, when their children die like that's how it felt to me. Yeah. It was a mourning process. So I know I yeah. got, I got really deep and sour. I apologize, but I just wanted to mention that because, you know, you may not have known that we kind of have, have that experience in common, at least to some degree. I can try to cheer up this conversation with a related topic that, uh, you, when you brought up, <laughs> when, when you brought up, um, um, first chatting with your now girlfriend, um, one of the things you, you mentioned, she said, or you said, was that uh, it was like you were in their heads. You were in each other's heads. And when, yeah. uh, when I first listened to the Onion Unlimited podcast, I picked up on some of that. Uh, I didn't realize you were talking about a romantic interest, and this is why I want to bring this up. Because I told you when you were on the f- podcast the first time that uh, you said something on the podcast about it feeling like you, your words were coming out of somebody else's mouth or vice versa. I can't remember exactly. Presumably, you were talking about your romantic interest. I didn't pick up on that. So, when uh, when I had you on the podcast, I said the same thing to you. I was like, "Yeah, man. I, I yeah, I, I heard you. I heard, <laughs> I heard you talking on the podcast. That I thought that was like my words coming out of his mouth." So, anyway, I, I, yeah.
0: Well, I I I can I can confer with that because, um, yeah, you guys, um, there's there's a, I've not known you both very long. No um but again there is a there is a certain connection there that's unexplainable it's a
1: beautiful thing um
0: yeah i think so yeah it feels like i've known you all my life and uh the amount of times that you say things that i'm actually thinking uh whether it's on your podcast or when we're chatting and uh it's quite weird yeah
1: it's one of those serendipitous things, man. And uh, I, you know, what I have to get over is, um, you know, like a little bit of reluctance. Even when I reached out to you the first time to see if you wanted to come on the podcast, there's a little bit of a, mm. of a reluctance because I'm like, you know, he's a stranger, and you know, he's not going to want to come on your damn podcast, you know. <laughs> but but you know, all, it all, all. I had to do was put myself out there, and here we are. You know, here we are.
0: That's right. Yeah. No. I, when when you said would you come on, I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah now there was a uh, an immediate connection there i thought yeah good <laughs> yeah the magic of twitter it's true there you go um do- <laughs> you'll have to be my best man at my wedding
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be something
0: there you go um, that would be something wouldn't it? <laughs>